Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. James was a delight. How do you feel about his haircut? It's nice. <laughs> it's it's shorter than he had for the first album, the Chaos and the Calm album. It's it's the, uh, the sophomore album, shorter bag haircut. Shorter bag haircut, leather jacket. Um, were you in the room? I forgot when I was told this, but someone was telling me a story about how a fan came up to him after a show one time, and they're like, "I love your hair and your hat. Like I know who you are because of that. Like you're so identifiable. That is you." And then immediately he was like. I gotta cut my hair and never wear this hat again. <laughs> you're right, you're right. The Losing the hat was a big talking point for this album coming out. Yeah, I feel like it really is, it's a whole new bay. <laughs> a whole new day and a whole new bay. Baywatch, 2018. <laughs> Man, that's a great album title for him. <laughs> Spell the bay, B-A-E. Definitely. Otherwise, it's just too obvious. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to the Alternative Facts Podcast billboard podcast for discussions with interesting voices all across alternative music my name is chris payne i'm a staff writer at billboard and i host this podcast every week uh joined today in the studio with billboard editor and arctic monkeys and sloth enthusiast Lindsay havens that is me that is a great way to summarize me speaking of sloths i am going to the sloth sanctuary in costa rica soon and i just want everyone to be as excited as i am for that moment What are you going to do with the sloths? Well, so I called and I can't, I feel like I've told you and everyone in this office about this, but I've called and I can't hold them. That's just not allowed. Because they're endangered. Exactly. It's a sanctuary. Yeah. So, you know, you got to keep them safe. Um, But it is within like a larger preserve where there are a bunch of more wild sloths in the trees. So after I visit the sanctuary, my brother and I are just going to sort of go like searching around. I just want a picture with one. It's just you're gonna have to get good at climbing trees because sloths are slow, but they can climb. If you're gonna get fine sloths, you they're gotta, kind of violent. Like I think they're one of the deadliest animals. They're just too slow to really like hurt anything or anyone. Um, this is alternative fact, so this could be true or not. <laughs> sloths have no natural predators. Fact or fiction? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what's on my radar. Sloths. Yeah. Forever and always. And liking the new Arctic Monkeys album. I love that album. And my favorite thing right now has been to just watch people on Twitter come around to it very slowly. Mm-hmm. Like the, I feel like the most common tweet is, took me like four or five listens, but I get yeah, it now. Yeah, you know, that. What's your take on it? 
I haven't really I didn't like it enough to get to a fourth oh, or fifth no. listen yet, but man, it's a slog as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm not feeling when, it. When you're ready, give it a few more tries. I think you'll come around. I you know I I like the James Bay album a lot more. Put that out there. That album Put was that fantastic. Out Electric Light. It came out last week, actually. This conversation you're about to hear is from a few weeks back. James came by the New York Billboard office a little bit after playing Brooklyn Steel. He was in town. And uh, he follows music much like a music critic would. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's up on the things that we tweet about all day, things that we're on top of. We were, we were chatting about you know the cool openers on the Harry Styles tour and who's a good interview, who's not. There was one point in this interview where he describes the sound of LCD sound system and I just stop him. I'm like, damn, that's a really good description. <laughs> it's like good word choice. Wow, maybe he has been wanting to be a music critic all along. He'd be good at it. Yeah. He at least has the enthusiasm. <laughs> So we're picking up this conversation where we're talking about Paul Epworth. We're talking about the uh, the famed Adele collaborator, Paul Epworth, because he helped out James on his new album and uh, playing us into this conversation. James Bay's new song, Pink Lemonade. came in towards the end of the electric light process, right? Yes, he did. Um, it was, it's a cool story to tell and it was an amazing reality. M myself and my friend John Green um, had written all of these songs. I did write a song with a guy called Jimmy Napes as well, who's great, great writer um, and a great guy and well known for a lot of the stuff he's done with Sam Smith. And, um, and I had these uh, over 12 songs, probably had about sort of 15 or 16 songs and I never see, I'm not, on that note, I'm just not one of these people who writes like hundreds of songs for an album. And everybody says to me, you know, how's the record going? And I say, it's all right. And they say, and I say to them, how's it going for you? And they say, yeah, yeah, we got a, you know, we got like 50, 100 songs. And I'm like, oh, wow, I don't have that many. This is like <laughs> when you talk to another musician. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in my case, I had that many songs and they were all kind of done. And I'd said to my team, um, boldly, I said, you know, I think the record might be ready for, you know, for what it's worth. I'm, I'm going to say that I think it might be done. And John and I had what we thought was demoed all of these tracks that we've written. And yeah, the vast majority of them kind of stayed the same. Paul Etworth heard some of these songs and just called me out of the blue because my A&R guy in a very sneaky A&R guy way, um, <laughs> had shown him some music and it was all very private stuff at the moment but it was a wise move and, and, and it was really it's, 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 it was a smart thing to do and uh, because you never know and it turned out that Paul heard this music and he loved it and he called me up and he said I think this music is really great I think you could put it out tomorrow and it would soar and Paul Epworth of all people is saying this to me on the phone which is enough for me it was, it was like an incredible experience but he said 
I know you're not going to do that. I know you're not like, I know you're not racing to put these songs out tomorrow. Given you have a bit of time on your hands, would you and John be up for coming into my studio? I've just got a couple of ideas and you've got nothing to lose. So, you know, if we don't, he said, I'm not precious. If you don't like my ideas, then you've got a great record. And he said, and he even said, you know, I'll support it. I will, I will do whatever I can. He said, I just believe in it. And, um, so we went in for a few weeks after we'd made all this music and, and Paul, there was a couple of tracks that he, he gave some real attention to because we all realized it, they, it needed, it could do with a bit more attention. And he kind of sprinkled his fairy dust across it and, and made a few, uh, tweaks here and there. And yeah, he, he came in, in this sort of additional production capacity and really, I will say, you know, in hindsight, helped it over the line big time. And we just, it was just a great experience in all other respects, just getting to hang with him in such an incredible studio um, with, with such a talented producer, you know. Yeah, you mentioned him in the Coldplay sessions being inspired to match the guitars with 808 drums. Right, right. And that kind of electronic percussion. He was probably drawn to that hearing your album. I think he was drawn to some of those things. I, I know that he, the thing he was most drawn to, there are, there are sounds on my new record that you'll hear in kind of typically more like R&B stuff you know there's a lot of sort of Frank Ocean and, and Drake and kind of Chance the Rapper like sonic inspiration for me mm. uh, on, on this new record um, but then I also was heavily inspired by LCD Sound System for example which is like trashy but electronic um, it's a good way to describe that right it's, it's like music journalism talk oh, I'm trying <laughs> if this all goes you know I'll try something I'll, I'll try a bit of that um he he recognized all of that because he's a fan of all that music too and but you know he came to me and he said what's great is you've got beautiful and brilliant songs at the core but you've you've thrown all this incredible these these nuts sounds all over all, all over these songs and it just sort of sounds like this brilliant chaos at times and this beautiful sort of delicate not quite as much sort of chaos at other times and uh and essentially a lot of the ways that John and I have put that music together was kind of, you know, through Pro Tools and, 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 and you know, approximations of those sounds. Um, one of the most basic things Paul was saying was come to my place, I've got the real versions of those toys. I've got those, you know, um, DX7s and those, and those mm -hmm. profits and those, all these different synthesizers and all these different drum machines and also incredible acoustic instruments as well. Um, so we just sort of peppered it with a few of those things as well because they just sound incredible. Very much on a kind of production level. And um, yeah, it all, it all got a bit better again. It was a very, real cool experience. Yeah, with this album, was it important for you to kind of change things up for people who were expecting you to go in a certain lane after the chaos and the calm and absolutely. be like, nah, I got this? Absolutely, absolutely. That's how I tick as an artist. That's how all my favorite artists tick. They don't, on the one hand, you can call them chameleons. On the other hand, I think they're just being the truest version of an artist. You don't stay the same. That's boring. Like, you know, um, people say to me, oh, you didn't do what people expected. And I say to them, oh yeah, because I mean, if I'd have done what people expected, who would be interested? Oh he's, yeah, of course, he's done the same thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. What else is out? You know, that doesn't, that doesn't inspire me. 
that doesn't move me. Um, my favorite thing is challenging as a fan of an art of a, of a particular artist when um, they do something else. But I've I've definitely grown to love that, and it didn't take me long. Um, I, I, one example that springs to mind is I was a very big fan of, and there's lots of different examples of, of why I've done what I've done and, and what's inspired me to do it. But um, this is uh, maybe one of the less expected examples that I'd bring up. But when Maroon 5 put their first album out, mm. I was a big fan of that album. Love I was songs like, about James. Right, 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 right. I was like 13, 14 when that album came out. It was brilliant. And it took a while, you know. They really worked that album for a lot of years. And it, uh, my uh, girlfriend's mum owned a record shop at the time. And it came around twice. It came out. And she'd been listening to it. And then it got this second push, like a couple years later, when a different song reacted at radio. Um, so it finally worked and they had a great time but my god did they they, they they worked that thing and they toured it for years and years like somewhere between three and five years they were touring that album second album finally came out like five or six years after that or something like that after the first album came out and it was different it was kind of disco it wasn't you, uh, She Will Be Loved it wasn't like any of those kind of more organic sounds and that was and initially as a young teenager I was like this is one of my favourite bands at the time what have they done? This isn't what I expected. And second or third listen through this through, through their new record, it clicked in my head. And I said, oh, okay, well, they, you know, and I read a couple of interviews and he was like, well, no, we can't look. We trust you, you trust us. We have to push each other for this relationship to be great as well. He was talking to his fans, Adam mm-hmm. Levine at the time. Um, and they've gone on to keep changing and be chameleons and, and evolve and be kind of the truest version of an artist in my opinion so you know that sort of rooted itself quite deeply in in me and my kind of creative consciousness and um, I've fallen in love with all sorts of different artists since that have done the same thing David Bowie being one of more recent years for me who I've dug deep into and then you've got someone like Michael Jackson who I've loved his music since I was born like and and I've always I've, I've never been able to choose between the great three albums he released in the 80s Off The Wall Thriller and bad but they're three different albums a disco album essentially a pop album and then this like rock pop soul thing mm-hmm. that bad is um, and you just afford yourself it's a bigger risk of course but you, you, you and you have to work harder but that's what this is all about you know so um, that's why those artists those records are, are all the reasons why I've you know gone the route that I've gone mm-hmm. And also, yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I plainly find, you know, doing a second chaos in the car boring. So it was never going to happen. But that's all right. That's what being an artist is all about. Yeah, you had a lot of success about with that album. You got nominated for three Grammys. Mm. Is getting back to the Grammys and winning a Grammy, is that something that really matters to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like top of my list necessarily, but it's on the list because I'd rather it happen than it not happen. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not um, fighting against it in any way. I would love to be involved in the Grammys in, in, in some way again and again and again, and I'd love to win. Um, but it's more important for me to be able to tour at a, a, a bigger level. Um, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing theatres all over the place. I've done a couple arenas. Uh, I want to go bigger. I want to be doing arenas all the time. Um, and then I want to go bigger than that. Uh, and that stuff is more long-standing. You know, you could win an award in one year, but 
you could have a 10, 20, 30 year career touring. And that award would have been important, but like, and it probably would have played a part, but it isn't the only reason that you tour mm-hmm. extensively, you know, for that, for that amount of time. You have to have great records that people want to come and see live again and again and again. So um, nominations in that respect and or winning or not winning, like being involved in those sorts of things is, is important to me. Um, but I'm, I, my biggest focus is, is making great music and, and being able to play it forever sure and you know talking about these constant artistic reinventions with every album it's really exciting and it's i'm sure it's really inspiring and but it can be hard too because like for 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 like one maroon five story where their reinvention worked just as well maybe better there's so many big risk-taking albums that just are maybe awesome and appreciated far later but in their time just flop like absolutely does that worry you absolutely of course well absolutely you're right it happens does it worry me if it worries me it, that'll slow me down and I, I, there's, there's no time to be slowed down you know um, I, I don't know it, it doesn't worry me as well because I love what I've made and I believe in it eternally so um, I don't know and I'm seeing a reaction already you know uh, my first you know my first run with my first record um, took a moment you know it wasn't overnight thrown all over every radio station in the world but it got there so that's alright with me um, I don't you know I yeah in terms of like reinventing and it not working immediately I'm sort of still in the process of of, of I've, I've, I've kind of reinvented but it's still it's still seeping and sinking in for everybody else so it's a really interesting time to, to be having this conversation because there's only so much I can say about it it hasn't happened yet that well, was out May 18th exactly exactly and we've put a couple tunes out and fans have loved them and I've found this was my intention I've found I've found new um, fans you know in places that I didn't have them before and of course there's some fans that say you know what are you doing there's some fans that say <laughs> I can't believe the record label made you cut your hair. <laughs> it's fantastic. How could they do a thing like that? Yeah, what are they doing? And, um, <laughs> you know, if there's any, there's never really an opportunity to sort of get into it. And it's not actually that important either. But, you know, for what it's worth, there just isn't anybody that's going to make me make any kind of, any of these decisions. Um, it's only me who makes these decisions. Uh, because I'm, you know, I'm an artist and uh, I, I can't remain the same. But, um it's really exciting, you know, watching this new music come out and uh, getting back on tour and watching people react to old songs and, and, and react to new songs. And um, that's the mad thing about releasing music today is that, you know, I've had, I've put a few songs out over the last sort of eight weeks or so. And people are singing them loud and proud at the shows already. And I've only done six or seven shows. It's amazing. When you drop Pink Lemonade... I was like, all right, that is not what I was expecting from James Bay. Right. It was, uh, that, that, that alone is like, that, that, that excites me, mm. you know, because in my, in, in my heart, that's a great song. It's a great track. Um, uh, it's something I'm proud of. And, uh, whatever I was known for and then and whatever I am known for, um, I will carry on doing if it's like intimate, heartfelt stuff, 
I'll carry on doing that because I know that's, you know, I've got to play to my strengths, but I know I've got more strengths. And I'm watching people go crazy for Pink Lemonade at shows already. And the reaction to, you know, playing it on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live and stuff. Um, I get a real buzz out of people saying, whoa, I didn't expect that, but I love it. Yeah, what was being around SNL like? Take me through your day. Who did you meet? What was fun? It was great. It, it, there was loads of amazing moments and Sterling K. Brown presented uh, that night and um, he was incredible. And that was one of the amazing things because I understand what SNL is and I understand that it's such an institution and uh, for, for any actor or comedian in that respect or, or, or personality who gets to present, but for any musical artist, you know, from any musical artist as well. Um, so for me as well, it's, a, it's an enormous deal to get invited on to play. Um, so, but watching Sterling you know, he was just this amazing ball of energy. We're getting on the Thursday to do a whole day of rehearsing and working stuff out. And you do the same from the beginning of the day on Saturday. And then you do a dress rehearsal before the thing airs. And then late, late on Saturday night, you, you, it goes out live. And um, seeing him, just being around him, to be honest, was was amazing it was it was it, it got me even more excited to do the thing and he was a great you know he was also extremely supportive and just excited to be there himself because he'd grown up watching the show and he knew it was my first time as well so he was he was excited for me too and it was a great mutual feeling and yet there's there's hundreds of other things like sort of micro moments throughout the few days um that we were there that are memorable but there's something about walking up and down the hall and just looking at the photos have you been no, I've actually never been. Right, so when you get there, when you go, mm. all the photos of all the different casts sure, from over the, the years, years just... and you keep, and you look, and you, you go up and down kind of quickly because you're busy, you're doing stuff, and you glance and you see some people and you go, okay, wow, oh, that person was there, that person was there. And then you go a little slower, you know, when you're like walking to lunch. And then when you come back from lunch, you really take your time. And you see there's this like, I mean, Robert Downey Jr.'s in there. He looks like 17 years old. You know, there's all these people from like, I think I saw Joan Cusack was in there. All these people I didn't know were anything to do with Saturday Night Live mm -hmm. necessarily. Um, and then, you know, more recent ones, Jimmy Fallon, who I knew had been in the cast, but like, you look at who he is now. Sure. He's, he's a, you know, monster TV um, personality. Uh, and he was, there he was kind of, cutting his teeth and, and, and I don't know that it emphasizes the institution that it is sure. even more and it's such an incredible show thing. business absolutely but like it's 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 great and I think as a British person you come to America and you want a bit of that you really mm. do and you really you know that, that's a that's a big shot in the arm of, of actual proper American like you know classic show business it's very cool to be to be around what are some ways to you personally that music in America seems just really different from music in the UK? The show business side of it. We play that down more. Uh, you guys play that up more. And I, I kind of love that. I think that's, that's the, one of the most fun things about getting to come here and, 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 and play live and, you know, um, yeah. In the UK, we're a little bit more um, sober about it. You know, we're quite we play it down and, and and we're a bit more modest and in america it's like there's no time for that because you know the, the, really? the, the feeling the feeling is often like but you could put on a bigger show you know you could but it could be more so why not and it's not to say that there that doesn't cut that it's not to say that comes without taste in america it absolutely comes with taste it's just watch prince at the super bowl and then watch like 
I suppose watch Prince at the Super Bowl and then watch Coldplay do a special show in okay. the Royal Albert Hall in the UK. They're, they're, they're both remarkable events, but they're, 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 just, they're just different. I think the, the greatest thing, like there are differences across the pond on either side, but the greatest thing is that, you know, at the top level, they're both like, you know, remarkable. Sure. It's very cool. And, and that forever has created this amazing back and forth between the two sort of nations in terms of showbiz, you know, and, and, and music and entertainment. It's funny. I often think of British rock bands having more larger than life personas than American rock bands these days. <laughs> these days. Interesting. Because funnily enough, when you said that, before you said these days, I was thinking, well, look at... And, you know, they're all from different eras, but I guess you look at, like, um, the Smiths and then look at Kiss. But like, Sure, yeah. But that's, but, like, but, indie rock. Well, of course, to- ex- exactly. So it depends how specific you want to be or not. Um, I'm thinking of, like, the way that... Blur and Oasis had that big, very public rivalry versus how like grunge bands were just sort of like, like, yeah, we're all punks, we support each other. I don't know, but then look at the top level of grunge stuff. Kurt Cobain and Nirvana in 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 their entire like own right were larger than life. Uh, you, you're right. The 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 vibe was to play it down because they came after uh, Motley Crue, they came mm. after Guns N' Roses, they came after Poison and all of that, which was about as much makeup and as much hairspray as you could find. And, um, you know, where. So it, it, that's that conversation is about, uh, you know, sort of reactions and, you know, how one genre has, reacts to the previous. Um, and it's fascinating and I love that. But, you know, uh, Nirvana were larger than life. I think at, at the top level of, of, of any sort of genre or era, you have to be a little bit of an alien. You know, you can't look at Bowie, look at Prince, look at Beyonce like she's a superhero. She's not like she she she's not just like there's nothing human about her in the greatest possible way. She can kind of do anything. Um, and, that, and she was paired with Coldplay in that same halftime show. Yes. And those two personas were so starkly different. It was fascinating that wasn't yeah. it? It was fascinating that because I think anybody that 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 you know laid eyes on that for Beyonce. Um, yeah, would have looked at Coldplay in quite an interesting way that I can't describe because I'm not them. And any and the same, anybody that was like, you know, all about Coldplay in that moment would have been, I think it was a brilliant moment because it, it probably brought so many music fans together. And it made music, like streaming is doing these days, it's making music lovers uh, uh, and, and music in general more genreless, which is uh, actually something that really inspired my new music and made me feel very naturally like I could be listening to and writing music inspired by David Bowie, Blondie and the Strokes at the same time as being inspired by Frank Ocean, Lord, Chance the Rapper. Sure. I felt like I could smash all that together and create music. And it was absolutely like an okay thing to do, an exciting thing to do, um, an important thing to do. Whereas in the past when music was much more tribal and you were an indie kid or an emo kid or, a, you know, I don't know, a, a hip hop kid or whatever, you couldn't tell your friends that while you were listening to like, I don't know, Run DMC or something that, you know, or you'd listen to Run DMC all your life and you're like, you know what, I heard this song Yellow by Coldplay and I kind of like mm-hmm. it. You couldn't do that back then, but nowadays it feels like you can because of, I do think it, you know, there's a lot of that streaming is doing that is, that is making that possible. And it's, 
it's moments like that on the Super Bowl when Beyonce and Coldplay were put on the same stage that make music lovers go, I can love all of these genres at the same time. You sure. Know? Yeah, a lot of that combination is going on in your music. What struck me as interesting is you use a good amount of electric guitar on the album. Oh, and I mean... Yeah. You don't hear a ton of that on the radio these days. Like, do you, at least in America, I mean, like, do you feel like it's kind of risky throwing that into... Oh, interesting. I don't know your music taste, but does that make you kind of sad or that you makes, I mean, it makes me happy. I mean, like... Uh, no, but I mean um, that you don't hear a lot of electric guitar on the radio oh, these no, days? Oh, no, it bums me out. I mean, right. what got me, like, passionately into music, I grew up in New Jersey, was, yeah. like, emo music and wow. pop punk when that shit was huge. It was huge in my high school. And that stuff, you would hear, like, My Chemical Romance that crossing was... over to Top 40 Radio alongside yeah. Beyonce. Like, yeah. you heard that back then what's weird is that was about beautiful songs and emotional melodies with guitars in a new way at the time sure because it was quite hard edge music as well at times but like I put all those guitars into my music because it's my um, like fifth limb the guitar mm -hmm. you know um, I, I, I it's where I started musically um, it's kind of who I am as a musician in so many respects, but I'm always looking to push beyond it um, and just see at the same time, that's what this record is, right? This record is me pushing beyond like James Bay guitar person, but not being able to leave the instrument behind because I love it and I think it's important. So I wanted to try and be, I want to say like sneaky or clever. Yeah, sneak it into a different place. Yeah, just surprise myself and surprise people um, by saying there's one track on this new record that doesn't have any guitar on it. There's guitar all over every other track, whether you hear it or not. I want people to hear it as pop music. I want people to hear it as, as, as great live music, as they can call it rock and roll if they want, but I want it to be radio music. And I'm, I'm going to put guitars in that, kind of whether anybody likes it or not, because it's part of who I am as an artist. Um, I think what, that, what I'm saying really is a response to the people that, you know see me as a pop musician as a pop artist and aren't interested in guitars it's a little bit of a kind of wry smile at those people yeah. you know where it's like no there's guitars all over it and they don't I don't mind if they don't notice it's, it's sort of works out better sometimes if they don't because they're still into my music and they're not going to it for guitars they're going sure. to it for a great song but there's the kind of rock and roller in me that's like too much about guitars to leave them out Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you made the Chaos and the Calm and the EPs before that, mm. you were in a different headspace than you are now. Yeah. What was that, and what was it that 
that with that kind of music was really inspiring you like you're inspired about this new music right now good question because so much of that headspace was who who am i who am i as an artist especially with the eps it went from something very acoustic and intimate which i took from what i was doing live me and an acoustic guitar that's all i was and i put it on my first ep and then i wanted to grow it because i you know i started to be in studios more and i've always loved you know rock bands and heavily produced music as much as i've loved you know beautiful kind of stripped down stuff i think my situation is that i i I love both ends of the dynamic spectrum and everything in between and all my favorite artists and all the big artists throughout history you know um from going back from you know early stones and beatles all the way up to beyonce and everything in between they they can exist in all those different dynamic landscapes so so going back to your question my headspace back then was like i was trying to sort of i was trying to work out like stepping stone one i was trying to work out the first step on my sort of staircase um and journey of like who i am and how i'm trying to present myself but what i'm saying is more about that staircase than it is about any individual step. Step one is um, important, uh, but that's never all that I have. So I was, and, and, and what I was best at at that time was kind of cut into the chase by giving you me and a guitar mm-hmm. and a song and, and a voice. Um, I always intended to grow it. I intended to grow my, my sound and my sonic um, you know, to where I've got it to and beyond. It was always the intention. It was as much an intention, it was as much the intention as putting a hat on and keeping that hat hair thing. Mm-hmm. And I started that when I was 19, two or three years before I even met my label. Um, uh, and developing like a signature look. That was all intentional. Losing it was intentional. Growing, evolving all intentional because it's about that like I say that staircase as opposed to any individual step so um, yeah my headspace was what is step one sure and it was it was working that out and uh, you know giving that out there put, putting that out there um, and getting people on board and saying this is who I am now and, and um, I hope you love it um, I'll always have that in my in my you know in my arsenal but it will uh it will develop it will change does that make sense yeah i'm thinking like were you in a world where maybe the venues you were playing the musicians you were around your setting was conducive to playing the acoustic guitar and that's yes but i'll be completely honest with you i kind of for at least five minutes of every performance i've ever done i've treated it like it's wembley stadium i just can't not like with an acoustic guitar and nothing else I've stood on a stage in a pub in London um, or I've stood in the corner of a pub in London behind a microphone and it's just who I am and how I am that, that, that you know, I shut my eyes and pretend it's Wembley Stadium or Madison Square Garden because that's where I'm, that's what I'm aiming for and, um, you know, that's where I want to belong, you know, and I, it doesn't really matter how much time I'm going to get on with it but like I have to be seeing that at the beginning there if I'm ever going to get there even if I am just an acoustic guitar and a guy in the corner of 
of a pub. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So in the present, it sounds like you have a direction, you have goals. Like I want to be playing these bigger places. Absolutely. Um, that's like, you know, saying, yeah, I want to be involved with the Grammys. I'd love to win awards in that capacity. Um, it doesn't have to happen right now, mm-hmm. but I'm shooting for it. Um, you know, uh, it's all part of the plan. Um, because, and again, because like lately, because he's kind of putting stuff out, Elton John is an artist that springs to mind all the time. He's, he's somebody who has made music that he's made anthems, you know, uh, tiny dancer played in the corner of a bar on an upright piano is a beautiful song. Tiny dancer played on a grand piano in diamond encrusted sunglasses in a stadium is still a beautiful song and it's still an anthem in both capacities and that's the kind of music I'm always those are, those are the songs I'm, I write you know those are the kind of songs I'm, I'm always going for how did your label first find you? <laughs> good question I was in a corner of a pub with an acoustic guitar stood behind a microphone and there was a guy and this was this was at a time when uh, this is at a time when there was all these like YouTube overnight sensation okay. artists who were discovered because they put a video up and by the following morning they had 500,000 views or a million views um, and a guy came into this pub and he didn't have his camera phone and they did exist at the time they weren't as good as they are now he had a full camera on his shoulder like a like for shooting movies kind mm-hmm. of thing and um and he set it down and he got himself a drink and he sat down and I'd just done my first song and I was getting into the second song and he got the camera out and put it on his shoulder and was shooting me. And he got the last song as well and I got talking to him afterwards and I said, that's quite a camera you got there. <laughs> and uh, he said, I know it looks a bit weird. He said, I am a cameraman, that's my job. I've just finished the, the, the you know work today and I'm just here for a drink. He said, I, I thought you were great though. Uh, so I caught one of your songs and... Um, and he said, I'll stick it on YouTube. You know, you can have a look at it. I'll edit it. I'll make, I'll put a filter on it. I was like, yep, do, what do, you, do whatever you want to do. And he put it up there and it went up and, you know, five or six weeks later or something like that, it was still up on YouTube and it had a full like 23 views. Okay. It was not. So, you know, because a few people sort of talk about this moment in my career in different ways. It, there was no 500,000. There was no 1 million views or whatever. But it had a few kind of tags on it, like you know you can search tags in in youtube you know singer songwriter acoustic guitar singer mm-hmm. whatever so i my guess is that via those tags my label was searching for that sort of stuff found me heard the song called me up and said we've seen you here playing this song we think it's fantastic we'd love to invite you over to new york to, to we'd love to hear some more songs we'd love to meet you and for you to play some stuff are you up for it and it was like yeah okay um they put me on a plane it was amazing and uh, I went and met them and, and, and we had a really great you know weekend and um, and I met a couple of other labels and some other people kind of heard some stuff um, but Republic who I met in New York were absolutely the best and uh, they just got it And they but they had the aspirations and the dreams that I had whilst I was this solo acoustic guitar troubadour dude you know keeping it pretty intimate I was I was talking then about how you know I wanted it to I wanted to you know reach the heights of all the artists that I've named you know while we've been chatting so far and they just understood it. Um, they didn't just say yeah yeah cool great yeah. They we actually it was a conversation. 
it was rational, but it was with big hopes and dreams at the same time, which is kind of how I am. You know, it was focused and it was like strategic and it still is. And that's kind of one of the best relationships you can hope for with a label. And so that's how it all kicked off. Wow. Who really was that cameraman? Great question. Um, I haven't ever seen him since. Uh, so hopefully it wasn't all a dream and this isn't all a dream. Um, he... I don't. I don't actually know. I haven't. I haven't seen him since. And the video came down when I um, signed to the label because it was like, let's take everything away for a second. Let's actually, you know, we'll take that song that was on there. You know, it, I, want, I wanted that to be part of the first EP and everything. So I didn't mm-hmm. want it to just exist out there, independent of a, of, of a, an actual release. Um, and it hasn't gone up yet again. But it kind of doesn't. It's not like it. You know, we'll get it. We'll get it up. It there seems at some like it point. should be back up. It's it, like it, uh... it should at some point. But I just don't want it to go up with like the video that made him or any of that like <laughs> nonsense. So um, uh, yeah, but no, it's it's that that was that was how it all began. Yeah. So looking forward, like, what are you most excited for with this album cycle? I'm excited to have new music out because I have one massive intention with this music, and it's to reach, you know, twice as high as I was able to reach with the first record, um, and then beyond. You know. I'm excited to get back to all the places that I played around the world um, first time round and go and play bigger places in those in those in those same you know countries and towns and cities and uh, and to go beyond that and to go to, to new places as well and the, you know for me touring an album isn't just the one round it's not like once around the world and we, we played New York once and it was great you know it's like okay well that's the first of like four or five different New York shows that I want to get into this album cycle so that we can go bigger and bigger each time. Mm-hmm. The same goes for Sydney, Australia, you know, Germany, around the UK, you know, I can name, uh, if I named everywhere I want to go, I'd name everywhere in the world. So um, that's 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 the thing I'm most excited for. Um, and to kind of, you know, to grow my fan base because I, there's, there's different sounds on this record that people, you know, some people who heard the first record and weren't into it, they might find on this record and, and dig into. Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's th- those are all the goals. Those kind of things and, and beyond. Yo, what was the 1989 tour like? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a really great first look at an arena show kind of done to the max. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know what? Like, Taylor Swift was... Um, taking lots of different artists out on that tour and introducing, you know, she's a massive artist. So she was introducing her fans, her enormous fan base to all this new music. And I got to be a part of that as a very new artist at the time. And she, you know, her, her fan base are like fully invested in her as an artist and her music. Um, So when she says, this is, you know, James Bay opening up for me on these shows, they do the research. Mm. So when I come out to a pretty much packed um, whatever stadium uh, arena it was that we were doing in throughout Europe um, the fans know the words to my songs like they, they're already they're already becoming my fans as well it was it was incredible um, so in that respect it showed me what it would be like to get out into arenas and do my own shows in that capacity with that amount of people shouting your lyrics back at you you know so sure. um, it was it was amazing on, on those levels yeah, and building that kind of a dedicated fan base like for for them, it's a lifestyle. It's exactly. something like it doesn't just come and go with a new album came out. Let's listen to it and get into it for that month. It's 
you're on that message board or that subreddit and you're talking to all the other fans and that's why like they probably did so much research on you because it's like yeah. oh shit an artist who has that Taylor Swift seal of approval okay yeah, we need to find out everything about James Bay now yeah that's exactly it I, I, in some ways I was that kind of fan with different artists um but she's a good example there are other good examples now but she is a good example of uh yeah uh, someone who champions her her support acts um Coldplay have been doing that a lot recently as well they've been making a lot of noise about the people opening up for them and um there's lots of other artists doing that sort of thing now as well and again and once again like music becomes more kind of genreless because you know Taylor Swift had Haim opening up for her as well who are kind of a, a cool alternative sort of indie rock mm-hmm. pop band um while Taylor Swift is like out and out pop music um top 40 kind of pop music and all these fans of Taylor Swift can say I'm a fan of Haim too I'm a fan of James Bay too doesn't matter who's who's part of what genre doesn't matter you know it's all great music which is the greatest I love that yeah um, Lord has been like that with having Run the Jewels open for her for and sure. uh, Harry Styles yes, with indeed. his openers on yeah his he's tour. got Leon Bridges coming out mm-hmm. with Luna him. yeah yeah and there's another yeah there's another yeah. Like Casey Musgraves is going out with him that's yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah so it's like that's country music mm-hmm. Harry Styles came from one direction and is now doing something a little bit more organic and he's got you know uh, Leon Bridges who was known for quite a cool sort of 50s sort of throwback thing sort of Sam Cooke sound and is now doing something a little bit more sort of R&B uh, sounding I guess from from what, from what the couple of tracks he's released from the new record and all of that music is going to be on the same stage at the Harry Styles shows which is wow like you know let it happen yeah, it's cool to talk to someone who's really following music like this. Who's like, because a, lo- a lot of artists just aren't really like listening to what's coming out or like following other people's new tours. It's tough, right? Because neither of us are uh, right or wrong, and it, and it makes the conversation great. And it's a convers- it's yeah, conversation. Yeah, it makes it better for me. To right? Talk to no, someone. but it's conversation I love to have. You know, um, but it can get into your head as an artist in right ways and wrong ways. You can start to overthink what you're doing. What you know, I can start to overthink what I'm doing. I saw a quote. I can't remember which artist said it but it was something and I can't remember the quote exactly but it was it goes against what we're enjoying right now in a way because it, it said you know it said it said my responsibility as an artist is to be out of the loop huh because how am I going to be unique or creative if I'm just watching and you know potentially copying everything else that's going on neither neither thing is wrong that's the interesting thing because then you got Bob Dylan saying, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Um, my favorite one on the point of like kind of, you know, iconic quotes and stuff because you can follow any of them. Bob Dylan, and uh, sorry, David Bowie um, said this later on in his career and I read it again as I was making this new record. Um, he was asked what he was up to, what he was making, what he was working on. He said, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what he was doing, but his answer um, to the whole thing was, "I don't actually know what I'll do next, but I promise you, it won't be boring." I think that's like something to live by. Um, it doesn't really matter how you come at it; we all will come at it our own way. Um, it just has to be something that moves you and excites you, and hopefully, it'll do the same for other people. That's true artistry, I think. True artistry. You heard it from James. True artistry. 
Yeah, I left really inspired from that conversation. James was a pleasure to chat with, and I hope you enjoyed it too. So, anyway, go see James. He's touring the new album. It's out now, and we'll be back in a couple days. Hashtag Alternative Facts Podcast. We'll be back with a new episode. Subscribe to the show. We drop all different days. So to make sure you get it, subscribe. We'll get it automatically. Search for hashtag Alternative Facts. It's all one word. Just put that into your podcast app on your phone, iTunes Store, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And while you're there, drop us a star rating. Write in a comment about what you like, what you didn't like, what you'd like to see more of on the show. Write in your favorite James Bay-ism. And also while you're there, old episodes, they're all archived. Listen to them at your leisure. And anyway, this now this one has become an old episode. So I'm done here. I'm out. I'll catch you guys next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.